Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our app so you can keep up with everything happening at Creekwood. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Well, good morning. It is so good to see everyone. Y'all having a good weekend? Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome. It is, um, as you can see and look around, it is a full house this morning, and it would, gives me an opportunity to invite you to our 8.30 service. <laughs> um, I told the 8.30 service, those that were there, I said, you know, when you get to heaven, there, there's going to be a special place for you. <laughs> there's candy, like, that other people don't get to get when you get to heaven. <laughs> No, seriously, you know, I just want to speak to that just a few moments. You know, what, what we're experiencing here at Creekwood is wonderful. And um, our, all three services are filling up, but one of the things that happens is that our, this service seems to be the fullest and most of the time uh, new guests that, that come to Creekwood uh, usually attend this service. And so I, I just want to encourage you to pray about it, think about it, and then just say yes to the Lord. Um, <laughs> to go to the 8.30 service, and uh, it just helps us make room. And, you know, it's worth it, right? You know, a lot of us, man, we've been in church, you know, a long, long time, and I know we love convenience, but once in a while, it's okay to kind of break out of the norm and say, you know what, let's make, help make room for other people and uh, go to the 8.30 service and see what God does. And, you know, when you go to the 8.30 service, you're going to beat everybody else to lunch, right? <laughs> so it is, uh, again, wonderful, you know, to be here today and to worship God. And I want to give a big shout out to those of you that are joining us online today. And, um, you know, every once in a while, people will send me pictures of places and I, that they're, they're watching our services. And I know this is a holiday weekend and there's people you know, all over traveling. And once in a while, people will send me pictures that they're in Cancun uh, on the beach. Don't send me those pictures, (laughs) you know, but anyways, but we do, I want to give a shout out to um, Mike watches us from North Richland Hills and he's just a a great guy that we love so much. He's watching, Um, you know, Mike Cohn, he does watch every weekend. So it made me feel good. You guys ready today? Uh, we are starting a brand new series, um, and I'm always excited when we start brand new series and being able to look in a fresh way at a new topic, new thing that God is speaking to us. And uh, we're starting this series called Encounters with Jesus, and we're basically going to look at the Gospels, and um, not in any different specific order, but we're just going to randomly go through and pick different stories, different encounters that people had with Jesus and what happened in their lives. You know, when you think about your life and your opinion of Jesus, you know, there's a lot of ways and a lot of places to get a picture of who Jesus is. There's pictures of Jesus in our culture. There's pictures of um, 
who Jesus is, even in academics and religion. Uh, Everywhere you look, there's different places, different people. Everybody's got an opinion of who they think Jesus is and what he was like. And for a lot of us, Jesus is the, you know, the guy that you talk to right before you eat and you ask him to take all the fat out of the food and turn it into muscle. You know, or you're, you know, you're praying to baby Jesus. I don't know, all kinds of different stuff. We got all kinds of, we're all over the place with opinions. And, you know, I, I, I believe that In our time, in the moment that we're living, there's never been a greater need for us to understand who Jesus is and what he was like. See, I think the world oftentimes has rejected not Christ, but has rejected the church. Because oftentimes we've done a bad job and I'm gonna throw myself and you under the bus today. We've done a bad job representing Jesus. And so when you can in a fresh way go back and look at at different encounters that people had with Jesus and what happened in their life and it just is beautiful and it brings you back to the purity of who Jesus is. And the story I wanna look at today is, is found in Mark chapter 14. And I wanna read this story, this encounter that they have with Jesus and then we'll, we'll talk about it in just a few moments. But I really wanna, wanna ask you to kinda hang with me for a while until we get back to the story because I really wanna set this up today. In Mark chapter 14, Verse three, it says, while he, speaking of Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. In fact, scholars tell us that this perfume was so expensive that it, it, was, it would cost a year's wages. So this is like, not the knockoff cologne, this is really good stuff. Very expensive perfume that it, it would have cost in that time a year's salary. The Bible says she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone. I I love that. Jesus says, leave her alone. Have you ever had anybody defend you? Like walk up and go, y'all need to leave her alone and do it with a little bit of attitude. Leave her alone, Jesus says. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for these next few moments. 
Jesus, we need you in this place. We need you. Speak to us today. Father, I pray that, God, this fresh word would, would, would so penetrate into our hearts. God, that we would be receptive to it, that you would bring this, this newness, this freshness in our heart today as we encounter you and encounter who you are, Jesus. We thank you for this, and everyone said amen. You know, a true encounter with Jesus will never leave you unchanged. Anytime that you truly encounter Jesus, you're going to be changed. And I want to just say this to you, and, and I think that a lot of us have, we know church or we know religion, but we don't know Jesus. We think we do, but we really don't. We know a lot of things. We know a lot of Christians, but we don't know Jesus. And when you begin to look at the power of what it means to know Jesus and the purity of, of knowing Jesus, like, you know, you know somebody, you know him. You don't know about, you don't know about Jesus. You don't have information about him. You, don't, you haven't heard about it. You know Jesus. It changes your life. There's something that happens to us in our life when we, when we know Jesus. This is why today I want you to know Jesus. I don't care if you've been in church your whole life. I don't care if you've gone to church your whole life or you've gone to church for five years. I want you to know Jesus. Knowing Jesus is what we all need. I love what the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. He says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, I didn't care about all the politics. I didn't care about all that other stuff. All I wanted to know was about Jesus. And I'm going to ask you this. Has your faith become more about politics than it has about Jesus? Has your faith become more about Rituals Has it become more about, you know, man, you know, I'm just mad at the world? Or is it that you want to know Jesus? You know Jesus. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. You can go all the way back. The Bible speaks so much about that God wants to know us, that, that God wants us to know him. This is why one of the core values of of, of our church, if you go to Discover Creekwood next weekend, and I hope that you go, it's not a class, it's, it's, it is incredible. It's a moment where you experience really what this church is about. You see what we're passionate about. And one of our core values is that we keep Jesus at the center. This is why, as a pastor, you're never gonna see me tell you Creekwood's gonna be political. Man, that was a powerful response. I got one. <laughs> Woo! 
man, I got one person in the back. <laughs> I know we always get a little, un- I'm okay with that because we get, a- I know everybody gets uncomfortable and we get nervous, but listen to me. We're always going to be about Jesus. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, it says, but the people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. The people that know their God, the people that know their God will be strong. When you know Jesus, you're gonna be strong. When you know Jesus, it is going to transform your life. Isaiah 29, 13 says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They don't know me. Their worship of me is made up of only of rules taught by men. See, what happens is that we start to take our eyes off our relationship with Jesus and we start to look to other things. And this is very easy to do. Satan loves to get us away from knowing Jesus. He doesn't want you to know him. You know, I think of what, what people, people's perceptions and people's opinions of Jesus and there's a lot of people that don't want to receive Jesus because they're like, well, Jesus is judgmental and it's because they've seen Christians be judgmental and Jesus is not judgmental. Jesus is restorative, but Jesus is also confrontational. Jesus will tell you the truth, but you know, you can tell somebody the truth without being judgmental. But knowing, knowing Jesus, we take our eyes off of Jesus and then we go into automatic mode of, and this is where so many of us, what's happened is we're putting it in autopilot. Our faith has become, has gone into autopilot and the enemy loves to move us away from this passionate, I've got to encounter Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to let him change my life. I want to know you, Jesus. And he begins to move us away from that. See, Why is it important? Do you know that knowing brings you into being? Too many of us are trying to be without knowing. You're trying to be somebody. You're trying to be things and trying to even be a Christian without knowing. You can't be a Christian, truly be a Christ follower without knowing Jesus. When you know him, you're going to be. And the Bible says those that know their God are strong. They're going to do great exploits. There ought to be great things that are coming out of your life, not because you're trying to be without knowing. It's because you know, therefore, you're going to be. And one of the things that you see in the encounters with with Jesus is that people were never the same. They, They... they, they knew him and, and it changed them and, and, and they started being somebody else. They started being who God created them to be. See, Satan knows this and he's, he, I, I really believe he comes against our knowing. 
Because he understands when we know it brings us into our being. And Satan, if you want to look with me in, in uh, Luke chapter 4, Satan, when Jesus is in the wilderness, and for 40 days, he's in the wilderness, and, and Satan knows that Jesus is about to do some great doings. In other words, he is about to do some great things, and so he is attacking his knowing because he, Jesus knows who he is. This is why he's being who he is. I know that sounds like, well, no, you, you know who you are, so you, you're being who you're supposed to be. And Satan attacks that. Luke 4, 2, this is what, it says, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all the, t all the time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, notice, if you are the son of God, Tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. Again, see, the devil knew that the doing was based on the being, so he questions his being. Satan is trying to take his being and make it performance-based identity. And this is what happens is too many of us, instead of wanting to know Jesus and letting our knowing Jesus be who we are, let it let, let it form our being. What's happening is now what we're doing is we are, are finding our being in performance. Performance-based identity. See, the devil tells them, if you're really the son of God, why don't you do something? Why don't you turn that stone into bread? Do you know that this is what the enemy loves? He's so sneaky with us. Oh, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're the... If you're a son of God or you're a Christ follower, why don't you make your life about performance? In other words, I am what I do. And as nice as that sounds, it's false. He's trying to move my I am from being to doing. It's this performance-based identity that I am what I, what I do and it's dangerous. Luke 4, 5 says, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I will give it to anyone I want to. Possession-based identity. In other words, I am what I have. I am what I have. See, if... Your validation, validation that comes from stuff is never God. Jesus, he was the son of God. When he was in the water, the father said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased in. Now Satan is attacking that. Luke 4, 9 says the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, if, there it is, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in, up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What's he trying to do to Jesus? He's trying to get him to show off in front of Jerusalem. 
He's offering him popularity. Popularity-based identity. Stay with me. I really want you to lean in. What happens is that our faith, for many of us, it's performance-based identity, or it's, in other words, performance-based identity is I am what I do. Possession-based identity is I am what I have, and, and, and I'm trying to get, you know, why is possession-based identity dangerous? If possession, if my identity is found in possession, do you think I'm going to be generous? No. Because my identity is found in what I get and what I have. Possession-based identity, performance-based popularity. In other words, um, he's offering him popularity and, and, and um, why, why is this so crazy? Why, why does Satan do this? He's doing the same thing to us. Some of you right now, you look at and you say, man, I've spent my life trying to get people to like me. I spent my life, I have, I have jumped through hoops trying to get people's approval. I, I have, some of you in this place, you have worked, you have destroyed your family to have possessions because you work all the time. Whatever one of these three you find yourself in, I promise you, you're miserable. These are, listen to me, if you don't hear anything else I say today, these are a terrible substitute for knowing Jesus. Those are an awful substitute for the fact that my identity is based on I am who I am because I know Jesus. I know Jesus. I, listen, when I know Jesus, his grace covers me, his compassion, his love, it changes my life. I feel great about myself. When I know Jesus, then my being is not being polluted Listen, this is why I think so many of us in our faith as Christ followers, we are bored out of our mind. We're showing up to church and we're, we're just playing out exhausted because we're, we're trying to do all these things. And we put our energy in the wrong place and said, you know what? I want to encounter Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. Because I'm tired. There's people in this room that you're exhausted because the life that Satan has tricked you into and, and brought you into and he's got you away from the fact of saying, I, just, I want to know Jesus. I wish I could explain that in, in, in a way that every single person here could understand, but you really don't understand it until you really encounter Jesus. Because words sometimes can fail and they can kind of fall flat and you're like, well, okay. But, but you meet somebody that, meet, that, that knows Jesus, it's different. 
I could stand up here and tell you all kinds of stories about this and that and all. You, but you meet somebody that really knows Jesus, it changes your life. Not somebody that knows church, knows religion, they know Jesus. And you look at this story, go back to this story with me. Um, there's several things. Let me, let me just say this to you. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, it says, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What does it tell you that God wants more than anything else? He wants our love. He wants us to know him. That's why we can't be fake. Because man, that's not what God wants but you look at the story and you see several things that I, that I, when I look at this encounter, I see several things. One is an uncommon love. Um, you look at this, this story in, in, in Mark chapter 14 that we read just a few moments ago. And this entire scene is, is a setting of just unconventional, uncommon uh, to, the, to the, like you look at it, it is so unconventional when you see this. Um, Look with me and, and um, let's put that scripture back on the screen. It says, while, while he was in Bethany, reclining in the table in the home of who? Simon the leper. And, you know, I, I stop right there and I think of, why does it say Simon the leper? Why didn't it just say Simon? But it's got to say the leper. Um, I mean, can we all agree that we don't, we don't want to be nicknamed, like, we don't want our nickname to be attached to our worst weakness. You know, and you think of, you know, Amy, you know, the, you know, or, or <laughs> you know, Karen the cusser. <laughs> If you spell Karen with a C, 8.30 service, somebody, Karen, kind of yelled out. And I'm like, I, I meant it with a C, Karen with a C. <laughs> you know, Mary the manipulator. You know, Gary the gut. The, the <laughs> I got to be careful. Jesus, help me. Um, the gossip. The, the gossip. You, none of us would like that. But this is what it says. Uh, and so it's an important fact that it says Simon the leper. And um, I, I look at, and I think of, well, who's Simon the leper? And, 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 and for the people, for Jesus and all these leaders and everybody to be in this home, Simon couldn't have had leprosy at that time, but but. He's the leper, so it meant that he had leprosy before, and when he met Jesus, he had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus healed him of his leprosy. And we don't know this for a fact, but scholars believe that Simon the leper was one of the 10. You remember the 10 lepers that got healed and only one came back to thank Jesus? that maybe Simon the leper is the one that came back to thank Jesus. And Simon the leper has, has, had, 
has had such an encounter with Jesus. He knows Jesus. He said, I got to let other people know what I know that I've experienced something incredible and I know Jesus and I know who he is and I want to open up my home so that other people can come hear about Jesus. And I want to ask you is when God heals you, do you make room for in your life for others to discover the same healing that you've experienced in your life? See, I want to give a big old shout out to all the life group leaders that are hosting. Let's give them a hand. Life group leaders that, that this past week, they opened up their home. It's not easy hosting. It's not easy lead, leading. And I'm not talking about, you know, press and play in a video to watch a video on, a, on a, the TV. I'm not talking about that. That's not what's hard. It's hard having people in your home all the time. Can I hear an amen? amen. You got to go clean up. You know, you're, like, you're like, we're having a life group. You know, we got to spend three, three days cleaning. Let's just be real. It's not easy. But, but there, are, there are people that, that are life group leaders because why? They, they go, no, I have encountered Jesus and he healed me. He's done something in my life. And so I want, I'm so grateful. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. So I'm going to open up my home. See, if I'm performance-based identity or I'm possession-based identity or popularity-based identity, I don't want to lead a life life group. But if I know Jesus and he's changed my life, I'm like, you know what? I want to open up my home. I want people to know Jesus. There's something that happens. I can't explain it to you until you know him, until you experience and know Jesus. It changes your life. It pushes you to have this uncommon love to say, I want to do this. Think about the people that, man, the people that serve here at Creekwood. I mean, I just, who get to church early. You know, I pull up in the church room around 5.45 in the morning. It's still dark out there. And I come in here every single Sunday and I see Denise Hill over there in kids check-in. And she's working, checking, turning on the machines, turning on everything. And I'm like, this lady ain't getting paid to be here. Why is Denise Hill getting up and she's got a full-time job during the week? And why is she showing up every single morning at 545? It's because she knows Jesus. She knows Jesus, and listen to me, until you know Jesus, until you get back to a place that you say, I know Jesus, this is why. You think about what our band goes through. They practice, they, 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 they're not up here doing a concert. They love what they do. They know Jesus. They wanna take you into the presence of Jesus. Think about the people that tithe. And I think of people that have given in the shadows for years here at this church and never said, hey, can you like throw my name around a little bit because I've been given or whatever? <laughs> Give me a special parking spot, you know? <laughs> my mother-in-law is the only one asked for that, anyway, by the way. <laughs> my wife is all the time, you cannot do that here. 
This is a funny story. I'll get off a little track. One, one Sunday, my mother-in-law, one of, the, one of the parking guys came up to me and said, I don't know what happened. Some lady just threw her keys at me and said, park my car. <laughs> and we're standing in the back and right then my mother-in-law comes in and she's like, <laughs> she, her high heels were so tall, it was killing her feet. My wife and I, I, I saw her walk by and I was like, I think I know who did that. My wife found out. She's like, Mom, you cannot do that. I told you I was getting a little distracted. But I think of people that are tithers that have, have given faithfully through the years. And why would somebody tithe? Like, why? Why? I know the Bible talks that we should do that, but why would somebody be generous even to give to us for us to build the West Campus? It's because you know Jesus. You know Jesus. There's people in this church that have sacrificed like crazy. It's because you know Jesus. And I'm here to just tell you, don't fall for the performance-based identity, the the popularity, the possession junk, all that stuff. None of that. That is an awful substitute for the, the truth of knowing Jesus. When you know Jesus, like Simon the leper, you're going to go, I'm going to open up my home. I, I want people to come in here. I want people to know Jesus. You think about this, this, this woman that comes in and she opens up. She, it, the Bible tells us that she broke the jar, this expensive perfume, and she poured it on the head of Jesus. Do you know, I mean, we don't even understand how big this was because in this time, women didn't go in and interrupt men having dinner. It was just, it's a cultural thing that was happening and, and they were in, in the shadows and behind the scenes. For this woman to be so bold, to be so audacious, to walk into a room of, of people that she, she wasn't welcome in that place, but she walks in and she breaks she breaks this jar and she pours it on the, the head of Jesus. Who does that? It's somebody that knows Jesus. Who does that? See, who, you, you think about this, who's Mary? This, this woman is, is Mary, and I wanna show you, this is Mary, not Mary the mother of Jesus. This is not Mary Magdalene. This is Mary, the sister of Lazarus. In, in John 11, 2, it tells us that Mary is the sister of Lazarus, the one who was sick and died. You remember that story? Her brother dies, but back up a minute. She wrote a letter to Jesus and saying, the one that you love is sick. Would you come, come heal him? Jesus delays coming, and the Bible tells us that Lazarus dies. He's in the grave for four days. How many of you know if you've been in the grave for four days, you're dead? <laughs> That's really dead. And Jesus walks up to his grave and says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, 
Mary, this woman that breaks this jar, this alabaster jar that breaks and pours it on the head of Jesus. Now do you know her brother has been resurrected? How much would you give for a resurrection? She knows Jesus. This is why she didn't care. She comes in there with an attitude in that room and she, she doesn't care what's going on. I, I love this because there's this spontaneity about that, that she's gonna, again, I can't explain it to you till you experience it. I was thinking back um, when my wife and I were dating and, and getting close to getting engaged, and I, I, I'm a couple years older than she is, a couple. Um, I was a senior, she was a freshman in college, and I graduated, I got a job in a, as a youth pastor in Woodward, Oklahoma. It was six hours away, it was 1989, and, and you know, how many of y'all remember those years? There was, those were good years. But there was no Red Bull I was six hours away. There was no cell phone. I didn't even have a beeper. Some of y'all don't know what a beeper is. You need to explain to your kids what a beeper is. I would drive six hours. When I would get off work, I would drive all the way down, six hours down here to Waxahachie, go out on a date with my wife, stay there with her till her curfew. I'd get back in my car and I would drive all night long back to get back to get to get back to Woodward, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning to shower up, go to church. That's crazy. I did it all the time. Why did I do that? We would talk on the phone all the time and, and some of y'all are gonna have a hard time believing this, but you used to have to pay per minute. <laughs> Long distance was expensive. And I would call her every chance I could. Every ch- if I got a little extra money, I'd go buy her an outfit. I didn't have any money. I can't explain it to you why I did all that. All I know is that I love her. And this is what happens when you know Jesus. You, you, you have this, this love that is an uncommon love. That This is what pushes it in the Bible says those that know their God do great exploits. This is what pushes you to go say, man, I'm gonna go feed the homeless and, and, and people are thinking you're crazy, which leads me to the last one, unashamed devotion. You look at this passage and you see that in this story, they, they actually, the people, when they realize that she's given this year's salary of perfume that she's broke it, they're, they're actually saying what a waste and they rebuke her. They're, they're actually criticizing her. And I love that she stays committed even though she's being criticized for what she's doing. You know, there's gonna be a lot of people and again, remember in verse six, she didn't even have to defend herself. Jesus defended her and he said, leave her alone. Don't you just know that in the spirit world that's happening all the time? Leave her alone and and she's so committed to this. They're criticizing her and they're, listen, they're gonna be people that are gonna criticize you. That are gonna go, man, I don't, why in the world do y'all go to church every weekend and why are y'all serving and 
and, and why are you doing this? I know you, you're busy and why, why do you do this? It's because I know Jesus. Mary knows Jesus. That's why it don't matter if she's being criticized. It doesn't matter. And listen, high school students, I want to speak to you just a minute. Listen to me, please. We're living in a world right now that is, is so anti-Jesus. And you're going to be criticized. You're going to be ridiculed because you're like, you know what? I know Jesus and I want to serve Jesus and I'm going to keep myself pure. I, 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 I serve. We've got a, our next gen ministry is incredible how they our high school students, junior high students are serving in different ministries and, and, and people aren't going to understand that. You're going to be criticized for that. And I'm just telling you that, that keep on doing what you're doing. You know Jesus. I said, you know Jesus. Why do we believe that, that people's lives can be changed? It's because we know Jesus and Jesus has changed our life. Whether you're Simon the leper that has been healed of leprosy and you go back and you say, you know what, pastor, you know, man, I, 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 you could name the worst thing. That's what I used to do. And Jesus has, has, has changed. I know Jesus. It's crazy. It's this uncommon devotion that we have that I, I'm devoted. I'm devoted to Jesus. I'm devoted to Jesus. And I move beyond all this fake stuff that the enemy's trying to get me to, hey, I dare you to do, you need to do this. You, you, like all this performance popularity junk is, it's an awful substitute. I wanna know Jesus. You know what's so incredible as you go read the last part of this verse and it says, What's, it says that truly I tell you, whatever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. 2,000 years later, we're talking about this girl. Jesus said that this story would be retold. And 2,000 years later, we're talking about somebody that knew Jesus. Would you pray with me today? You know, if you're here today and maybe you've been around church a lot, you've known about church, maybe you have family members that have invited you today and you're like, you know what, I just have never been interested. And I'm not up here to tell you you need to give your life to the church or you need to join a church or whatever. I, I'm here to tell you you need to know Jesus. And Jesus change your life the Bible tells us that he knew the sins we would commit before we even committed them he died on the cross for your sins and my sins and today if you confess your sins he's faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins but I want you to know Jesus you're going to be blown away you have no idea what you are going to do with your life the deeper you get into knowing him.
it's going to blow you away. Father, thank you for every person that has received you today. Lord, I pray that today that all of us, God, would recommit ourselves to knowing you, Jesus. May we know you. May we know you, Jesus. We thank you. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we want to partner with you on this journey. Learn more about taking your next steps by visiting our website at creekwoodchurch.com or by downloading the Creekwood app. We look forward to hearing from you.